0: Catholic Doctrine Bible study. This is session 216. I'm your host, Jim Hawk. And in this session, we will pick up on Ecclesiastes chapter 4. So we've already seen some of the things that Solomon has tried to find meaning for life: wisdom, hedonism, materialism, and it hasn't worked out for him. I mean, he's it it brings him some joy, but he knows it's not gonna last. He knows he's gonna die. He knows uh, whatever he builds is going to be left to someone else after he dies, and that someone else probably will screw it up. So he's still searching for meaning. So he considers a career, uh, you know, his his job, if you will. Of course, he's the king, pretty good job to have. But anyway, he looks at the vanity of toil. And you'll recall from our last session, vanity doesn't mean uh, self uh, concern with your appearance and that sort of thing, as it does in today's language, vanity just meant that things don't last. It's as a mist, as it were. And he looks at the the vanity of toil, and he throws himself into his career. And in verse four of chapter four, worth underlining, I think, says. Then I saw that all toil and skillful work is the rivalry of one man for another. Okay, we just had the Super Bowl in America last week and it's fun, competition is fun, especially when you win, right? But it doesn't last, right? Who remembers who won the Super Bowl in 1985? Well, I do as the Chicago Bears, but that's because they haven't won one since then. But uh, the point is, Nothing lasts, not even career success. Um, I made a little note next to verse four. I, I wrote, "The rat race is over and the rats won. you know, because even competition, even success in your in your career, that doesn't last because ultimately you you're going to die. Now he does say, you know, it is good to have friends. This is one thing that he he hasn't condemned, so far. Uh, it's, it's good to enjoy uh, the fruits of your labor with other friends, but even that uh, is going to go away and your, you'll, your friends will die. You will die too. Have a nice day, right? So still, he's, he's not too uh, cheerful. And this from a man, Solomon, who had it all, knowledge, wealth, Possessions, women, etc. Okay, moving on. Chapter five. Um, he says, verse one at the end of it: God is in heaven, and you are on earth. Therefore, let your words be few. What's he saying there? Don't just be whining to God all the time about about your problems, because that's the nature of life on this earth: is that you're going to you're going to have problems. Being happy is is a choice, really. I mean, you you might uh, not agree with that, but if uh, I I have learned that to be true, uh, there are people that you know that choose to be happy no matter what circumstances. Paul even makes a reference to that. He says, "I've learned to be content in all circumstances, whether I have a lot or a little, or you know, etc." Okay, so. Uh, he tells us, fulfill what you have vowed in verse 3, the last part of it, worth underlining. Um, here is a um, thoughtful statement. Chapter 5, verse 9, worthy of underlining, the covetous man is never satisfied with money. You know, I bought a nice house in the suburbs of Chicago one time, in a nice suburb, and I invited a bunch of people over from church to see my beautiful house that i had bought for myself and i thought they were all going to be so impressed well they all lived in really nice homes too so it didn't really faze them and uh, so uh you know uh, i i thought if i got that house i'd be happy i got the house I, and it did not give me much uh, much pleasure um uh, again, uh, if you get a bigger house, you know, the rich man's abundance allows him no sleep. That's at the end of verse 11. If you get a bigger house, guess what? You're going to spend more time cleaning it. Or if you don't clean it yourself, you're going to spend more money having somebody else clean it for you or take care of it for you. Um, let's see uh, yeah I would say that that kind of summarizes it I mean he, he spends a lot more time in in chapter five talking about that um, it's you spend all your time on your toys and the toys don't last or at least they you you get tired of the toys even if they, even if they last well on on this this earth um, okay how about this Uh Chapter 6, verse 9, definitely worthy of underlining. What the eyes see is better than what the desires wander after. A note that I wrote in my margins is enjoy what you have rather than desiring what you don't have. But even if you enjoy what you have, you're going to die and it's not going to last. So, so far, we've got a lot of you're going to die and it's not going to last. Uh, continuing on even in chapter 7. in verse two, he says, it is better to go to the house of mourning than the house of feasting. So in another translation, it says it, in essence, it's better to go to funerals than to uh, than to weddings, okay? Now how could it be better to go to funerals? Because it forces you to confront your own mortality and ask yourself the serious questions, what's it all about? What is this life all about? What is it that is going to last? Well, we've been through, now we're into the seventh chapter and he's not giving us what is going to last. Now, uh, Solomon in his day, the, the Jewish people did not have the sense of an afterlife that we as Christians do. Christ had not come yet. Christ had not been resurrected yet. And so there was there was just kind of a vague idea of what, if anything, happens to you after you die, right? We have the advantage of Christ demonstrating the resurrection uh, to us and giving us hope in our own resurrection and life after that. And Jesus talked extensively in the Gospels about uh, the, the, the resurrected life, right? So, uh, in Solomon's time, he just they just thought, well, I'm not sure what happens after we die? Is our reward here on earth or our punishment here on earth for what we do? Uh, what What happens afterwards? At best, I would say most Jews would say, well, you went into like Abraham's bosom kind of thing where it's another world, but it wasn't really clear what that was, okay? So maybe that's one reason why Solomon doesn't have a clear-cut vision of of that. Um, He knows you're going to die, but yet he longs for a continued life of some sort. We also saw that when we studied Job, right? Job said, boy, I wish that, you know, I could put up with any kind of suffering on this earth if there's just a hope that I will get to see God after I die, right? They wished for it, but it was not understood at that time. Christ did not come yet. Christ had not been resurrected. So when he says it's better to go to the house of mourning than a house of feasting, it's like, Hey, better to spend some time contemplating your own mortality and what is it that you want to make out of your life than just go to parties where it's just, you know, having having fun and, and not, uh, not giving serious thought to the meaning of life. So hence he says, Sorrow is better than laughter because when the face is sad, the heart grows wiser. Uh, again, continuing on the thought that... Uh, uh, you need to ponder your uh, your future more. How about this, verse ten? I think of chapter seven. I think it's worth underlining. Do not say, "How is it that former lives?" Excuse me. How is it that former times were better than these? For it is not in wisdom that you ask about this. And in my margins, I put, "The good old days," formerly known as these trying times you know uh, people say oh man I, things were so much better back then but back then uh, if you know people have a very selective memory and uh, maybe there were problems in the times that they were referring to as as well uh whew, what about um well, let's see. How, here's uh, a number five thing. I, I've, I've included this as a number five thing that Solomon tried, and he certainly did with his wives and concubines. Women. This is from a man's perspective. Uh, uh, he's supposed to be so wise, and yet he had all these women. It's hard enough to keep one woman happy all the time. How's he going to keep, you know, 300 wives uh, uh, happy? But anyway, uh, he he says... Uh, in verse 28 of chapter seven, it says, "One man out of a thousand I have come on that is, in essence, that is, uh, you know, uh, somebody to emulate. Um, but a woman among them all I have not found. Again, maybe a little bitterness on his part after all of the uh, problems that his wives caused him, caused him to fall into adult uh, into um, not adultery." Um, but uh, idolatry, you know, as we saw when we studied Solomon earlier. Um, So on to chapter eight, retribution. Uh, Why is it, uh, I'll just summarize verse 10 and on, the problem of retribution. Hey, uh, good guys do stuff and get punished uh, or have rough lives. Bad guys sometimes do stuff and get away with it. You know, even that's that's got to be frustrating, right? So there's no justice on, on this earth, or, or very little. Um, so you, you can't rely on justice either. Um, here's an interesting quote in chapter 9. He says in verse 4, A live dog is better off than a dead lion. Well, uh, why is that? A live dog can still change his ways, I guess. But a uh, dead lion, you know, that's it. So you got to make hay while the sun shines, so to to speak. So uh, he, he says in chapter nine, verse seven, go eat your bread with joy and drink your wine with a merry heart because it is now that God favors your work. So he's saying, okay, I get it. All of these pleasures that I've mentioned, they don't last, but they're not bad in and of themselves. Just don't live your life for them, okay? Enjoy life. Enjoy that ice cream, uh, et cetera, but don't eat 10 gallons of it and don't live your life for ice cream. There has to be something more other than these pleasures of the flesh and materialism and women and so forth and so on. So enjoy your life. But recognize, as he said before, God's watching. Okay, God will ultimately judge. Don't live your life for those things. Enjoy them, but put them in proper perspective. Lead a life of, of uh, balance. Uh, verse 9 of chapter 9. Enjoy life with the wife whom you love all the days of the fleeting life that has granted you under the sun. So enjoy it, but sorry to say your wife's going to pass away, your husband's going to pass away. And um, so, enjoy it, but realize that nothing on this earth lasts. And that's kind of where he goes on. Chapter 11, he gives some practical advice. Cast your bread upon the waters. After a long time, you may find it again. What's he talking about there? Okay, Uh, grain merchants, in order to get uh, the greatest uh, price for their grain would have to ship that grain to somewhere where there wasn't grain being grown, which means they had to put it on ships, right? And so, you know, invest and it will come back to you. Cast your bread upon the waters. After a long time, you may find it again. So it's okay to take a calculated risk. Um, Verse 2, make seven or eight portions. You do not know what misfortune may come upon the earth. Uh, I underlined that during my secular career in financial planning, and uh, my my note in the margins next to chapter eleven verse two is, "Don't put all your eggs in one basket. Again, he's giving you practical earthly type uh, ideas. Take a certain amount of risk, cast your bread upon the waters, meaning put your grain on a ship and, and try to sell it where you can you know overseas where you can get a greater profit. Um, don't put all your eggs in one basket. That's from verse two. So he kind of uh, digresses a little bit. Now we come to the heart of the matter, chapter 12. So he's telling you all these things that don't give, don't last. Everything's a vanity. Everything's a mist. You yourself are a mist. So what is going to last? Okay. And he says, remember your creator in the days of your youth before the evil days come. So, in other words, if you, if you think of God as you're growing up, you know, you will avoid some of these excesses that he's talking about. And Solomon certainly had his excesses, particularly with, uh, with women, okay? And uh, so, remember your creator. That might be the, the key of the whole thing. Whatever you do in life, remember the one thing that is going to last is your creator and your relationship with him. Now in verse three, he has some really weird language here, which I will attempt to uh, unpack for you. He, he says, uh, when you get old, and this is verse three, four, five, six, um, seven. Uh, he's talking about getting old. When the guardians of the house tremble, tremble, so guardians of the house, if you want to circle that, means when your hands tremble, you know, when you get old. When the strong men are bent, circle strong men. He's talking about what? Your legs, right? The strong men that hold you up, uh, and the grinders are idle because they are few. What's the, what are the grinders? You might have guessed it. Your teeth, right? You know they're, um, you know you can't chew because you're losing your your teeth, and they who look through the windows grow blind. So what are the windows? The eyes. You know you you get old. You can't see so well. Uh, When the doors to the street are shut um, and the sound of the mill is low. What do you think he's referring to there? Loss of hearing. Okay, you can't hear the sound of the mill. So basically he's saying, as you get old, here's one of my favorites. When the almond tree blooms. Well, when an almond tree blooms, it has white blossoms. So he's referring to your hair. You know, when when you get white hair. All of this is referring to when you get old. Uh, When the caper berry is without effect, a caper berry is an aphrodisiac. So in other words, you lose your ability to, uh, if you're a man, you know, you lose your ability to uh, enjoy sexual intercourse and so forth. So basically he's saying, so when you're old, okay, what, what can be the conclusion? And it is this, chapter 12, verse 13, the last word when all is heard, Fear God, and again, that means reverence God, hold God in awe, think about God, you know, recognize that He's going to be there after you're gone from this earth, and hope uh, He doesn't have a fully developed sense of what's going to happen after that. Fear God and keep His commandments, for this is man's all. Because God will bring to judgment every work with all its hidden qualities. Even the things that you do when nobody's looking, whether good or bad. So Solomon doesn't know about the resurrection. Christ hasn't come yet, but he does know that, um, in some way unknown to him, um, God's going to continue and, and, and that you yourself will have some way of of, uh, of being with God. Again, not fully developed. So uh, the thing for us to keep in mind, let's pray for now. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Lord of Solomon reminds us, everything's going to pass away except one thing. Our relationship with you will continue. As Christians, we have the further benefit of Jesus' demonstration and explanation of the resurrected life uh, that we can look forward to. So as Solomon reminds us, we're to enjoy our lives. This world is a beautiful place. There are many beautiful things in it and we can enjoy them, but we help us to put them in the proper perspective and recognize that we ain't taking any of them with us. People or treasures. um, And so, uh, Help us to put that in perspective. We ask this in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.